Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of Already His Workmanship podcast. Uh, I have Adele. Hey, team. How's and, it going? And I have Logan with me today as well. Pleasure as always. Um, yeah, today is another episode working on spiritual inventory, and we're going to be covering control. Um, and as I prepped for this one this week, it was um, kind of... Uh, one where God showed me a lot of my issues in life again that I may not have been fully aware of. And uh, he gave me a verse from the message version of the Bible that's worded significantly different than, than what it is in all the other translations. And it's uh, Luke 6, 41 and 42. And the message version says, it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It is easy. It is this I know better than you mentality again, playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to wash a, to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. All right. So sorry I stumbled over that a little bit, but yeah. Um it just hit me like, oh my gosh, like all these times in my life where I've tried to control the outcome of a situation, mostly in relationships, why I was doing that, I was doing that with a look of contempt on my face. Um, you know, part of this back up just a second. So I'm sure I've talked about this before and something that is passionate for me. Um, I really dislike the fire and damnation preaching that I've heard and seen over the years, uh, the railing against this group or that group. And when I first read this verse, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's it, right? Like I dislike this because there's this look of contempt on this person's face who's supposed to be preaching the love of Jesus. And then the next day I'm like, oh, wait a second. Look at all these times where I've tried to control an outcome in particular with family members where I had a look of contempt on my face <laughs> and man, that, that's just a really hard hitting one for me, right? Of like, Hey, there's this situation that I want changed. Um, in particular family members, like from when I was a child or other times where I have an expectation of a way it should be. And uh, <laughs> I try to have a conversation about it, but it always turns into me trying to control the outcome so I can have it my way. And just realizing that, like, whenever I do that, I'm doing it with contempt in my heart for the other person. I'm not really doing it from a love. It's, it's like, contemptuous because I want them to do something for me. And, like, wow. Like, all the examples I can think of over the years, um most of those are already been on my fourth step and eighth step. I just really didn't realize like, like that, that contempt portion of it um, that I had for uh, people. And I don't know that that was just exceptionally hard hitting for me this week. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to have to be making some amends here and there uh, for behavior because I just didn't know it. Right. I just wasn't even realizing that's what I was doing. And sometimes, so 
um i'll kick it over to logan and uh, let you speak on that a little bit yeah i mean the uh i i I didn't really, uh, I didn't really consider myself somebody who was super controlling um, until, um, I guess, until I, I made the, um, you know, from a career perspective, made the transition from, you know, being an IT guy into being a sales, you know, into the sales organization, you know, first as an engineer and then as an account manager. And um, I, I, I think I was, I was shocked with myself when I realized like immediately how much I wanted to control everything. And, and really when it comes down to what I'm, when I read that verse and when I think about control in general, that, um, you know, when something matters to you, you know, when something is important to you, there's, there's always the, there's always the tendency to want to control, control the outcome as if we can, um, you know, to, to, you know, and it, and it can even manifest as something that you would, that you would think would be laudable or something that you would say, like, oh, well, you know, I just want to be really prepared. You know, I'd find myself saying, like, I want to be really prepared, or I just want to make sure that this, you know, this goes as well as it can or, <clears throat> or whatever it was. And then I, what it turned out to be, if I looked into the relationships of those people around me was me basically exerting control over every aspect that I possibly could. And, you know, it's just, um, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's a comfortable place to be, or it, we're, we're trying to create a more comfortable place to be by giving ourselves the illusion that we can control what's actually happening in the world. When, when we're in reality, if we look at it, you know, the things that we can control are such a small part of our experience. Um, there, there's certainly not enough that we can actually determine the outcome of even things that to, to ourselves that are that are very important, you know, outside of work, you know, I think about, I generally go back to child rearing because it's pretty much the most important thing that I do. And I think to myself of, of, you know, the, how much of my, my kids experience or their, um, of my experience in parenting are things that are actually inside of my control and how many of them are things that, that I, I absolutely have no control over and they just happen in the world. And I, I just have to prepare my kids to be able to make the decision or, or, you know, to, to make the right moral judgment in the moment. And, um, you know, I, it, it just triggers this thing for me whenever I, when, when I read verses like this and, and, you know, to me, it, it always puts me into that place where, where I think about my experience, even when I will find myself, I'll find myself in that situation of the smudge on my own face or when I'm, when I'm parenting, you know, when I, when I go talk to my kids and, and I'm, I'm giving them a really hard time about something and it's something that I'm struggling with at the same exact time. And the hypocrisy is like in one, my, one side of my mind, it's like, Oh my gosh, Logan, you're being a hypocrite. And the other side, it's like, well, I got, I got to do this anyway. You know, I, I gotta, I gotta train them the right way, even though I'm not even, anywhere near being able to master this. Well, I, I want them to be better than me. Well, you know, what am I trying to do? Am I, am I trying to control them by, you know, by, by espousing, Oh man, you need to, you need to you know, live up to this, you know, live up to this standard. And then I'm not even portraying that exact same standard in my life. It would it be easier and more humble, you know, not easier. Would it be more effective and humble to go to them and say, Oh man, you know, I know I struggle with that exact same thing. 
Um, but, and, and I haven't found a way to, to be totally victorious in it. You know, I haven't found a way to, to completely control my temper, you know, let's pray together and, or let's, you know, let's talk about it rather than you, Hey, you, you need to, you know, you, you can't talk to your mom that way, or you can't talk to your, your brother that way. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's, that's challenging. I think that verse to me triggers that and it's, you know, talks about hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of trying to go control somebody else or basically make them into something that when, when you yourself are struggling with it, but and then also that, that idea of, um, at the root of that desire to control is really, to me, there's a, there's a faith element. There's a lack of faith element to not really trusting that the Lord can orchestrate things on his own. I have to go in and, and put my hands into it. And also just a, 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 a the, the hypocritical spirit that I think oftentimes Christians are, are um, labeled with and, and sometimes rightly so where we want to control other people, but we're not even in control ourselves. So that was like a, a big word salad, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> it's a, that's a deep well, that one, this, this element of the spiritual inventory, I think we could spend a lot of time on, um, you know, our, our interactions and relationships with others. What about you, Dell? <clears throat> yeah, this one, um, as I'm, as I'm learning here, you know, I definitely take things pretty literal when I study verses and things. And I, one thing I really know to do is just apply it to my life. Right. And I am absolutely self-righteous, controlling, <clears throat> egotistical. And I have to remind myself of that <clears throat> all the time. Right. I want to um, make sure that you know, as I approach other people with things that I consider myself, right? And so when I was looking through kind of pulling some examples for from my life, right, you know, two things really hit. And, you know, I have to take these and use examples from my life. And that's really what makes sense. And I was on the phone and I was sending someone some t-shirts and, uh, and they laughed and they said, hey, don't, don't laugh. I'm, I'm real big. It's a double XL, et cetera, et cetera. And I was proud of myself because I actually said to this person, hey, I'm a two-time rehab graduate. I have no room to be barking at you for being overweight, right? And so, um, and then I started to reflect on, okay, why did I act that way to this person versus on my own family? Um it's, you know, those, those closer to me, I don't think I would have that reaction. I would never tell my son, daughter or anyone, Oh, I'm a two time rehab graduate, right. You know, that type of things. Right. So, so I'm starting to just grow with this verse and, and try to figure out, you know, why do I react and try to control others versus not so much. Right. And it just comes to me that the people closest to me, I get more controlling with, right? And I'm home all day. I'm obsessive about organization and cleanliness. And I walk by and I'll have two cups on the counter. And the only thing I notice are the four dishes in the in the sink, right? That aren't mine, right? Because those, you know, that's my stuff. And that belongs there. Theirs doesn't, right? And so um, just really, really challenging myself to say that. And then when you look 
literally, like if you just take this literally, it's odd how I started to look at it if we're actually just eating dinner. And I go to my wife and I say, you have something in your teeth. And she'll be like, okay, I'll get it, right? And she can say it back to me. I'll be telling a story and dad, you got something on your face. Well, then I'm mad him for pointing that out right but i could never you know if the three of us were there and todd you had something on your face or you told me i'd be like oh thanks man you got my back right i'd be like thanks for not letting me walk around with whipped cream on my nose or whatever it might be so um i just really want to self-examine and now i'm asking why am i so good with some and so bad with others. And unfortunately, the others are the closest people in my life. Yeah. You know, um, because because I did a lot of this stuff with my first sponsor. Um, I, I, I know where the need for control always comes from for me, right? I have a deep fear of abandonment. Um, based on the stuff that happened with me as a child with my parents, right? That's just, that's what I have, right? And so that's what I do, right? Like, if I feel like I'm being abandoned in some way uh, from an, in an intimate relationship, man, it just spikes my need to try to control it, you know? So it comes up the most with my wife, obviously, because she's my most intimate relationship, and then my other relationships so will peek its ugly head out here on occasions, right? Um, happened mostly with work, you know, early on in my career where I was like afraid I wouldn't be able to make enough money to support my family and like the abandonment issues that go with that. But that's where it always uh, comes from for me, like there, right? It comes from this deep wound uh, that God's still healing in me. Um, but obviously isn't healed yet. Um, and it reminds me of uh, a stanza in the serenity prayer. And that stanza is taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting the all, he'll make all things right if I surrendered, surrender to your will. Well, oh my gosh. Let me just say that again since I stumbled all over it there. Taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting you'll make all things right if I surrender to your will. So I got it out that time. Uh, I'm emotional today, so it just yeah. just is what it is today, right? So um, I, that's, you know, when I pray on it, I get to that point, right? Like, oh, yeah, this issue here that I have with this person or this issue I have with this person was all about... Like my part in it is I didn't surrender to your will and trust that you'll make all things right. Um, and then when I do that, things start getting better, right? So um, several years ago, I had a family member who crossed a lot of lines and really harmed me. And I ended up putting a boundary of no contact with the family member for a long period of time. And I prayed and prayed and prayed about what, how do I address this when I talk to this family member again for a super long period of time. And every single time I thought of a way, I'm like, oh no, that's just me trying to control it. Oh no, that's just me trying to control it. That's just me trying to control the outcome there again, right? And I finally got inspired by God to just be like, reach out to them and just ask them like how they're doing 
and what they're thinking. And that's what I did. And mm-hmm. the person was like, I've tried to write you an amends letter 50 times. And every time I've gotten it halfway done, I reread it. And all it is is me trying to control the situation. And they made an amends to me uh, for their behavior. And that things got immensely better there, right? Um, but I never would have got that had I tried to control the situation because that's all I wanted to do so I could get what I wanted out of the relationship. And then I look back at my relationship with my wife, right? Like that's where I end up doing the same stuff, right? I just do what I learned to do as a kid sometimes. And, you know, especially if I'm feeling hurt or slighted in some way, I really struggle on getting back to that. Uh, taking things as they are, uh, not saying that my wife was sinful in the moment, but I just have to like that taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is. That just means I have to accept everybody exactly where they're at. It doesn't mean that they're sinning against me, but it means that I have to accept them exactly where they're at and then trust that God will make all things right when I surrender to him. Um, but I forget that all the time. Right. And, <clears throat> So these things end up having to be done. But then before I knew that, yeah, my list of things and relationships had these all strewn through there because that's that that's one of the big themes of my life is trying to control things so I can be okay. Um, but but I was reminded of that when Logan talked about like not trusting God, right? Like that's exactly what I'm doing, right? Is I'm taking control of the situation because. I don't trust him to do it. And so I'm going to go do it on my own and become a little God. Uh, all the way back to our like first conversation on these things that I'm not God, right? Well, I forget that all the time. Um, so I'm sure over the years of doing this podcast, we'll talk about that concept over and over again, because that's, that's the one that I, Todd, mess up the majority of the time in all these uh, processes. So. Um, I'll kick it over to Logan there since I spun off of your uh, cussing God stuff. Yeah, it's the sad reality that our loved ones oftentimes get the 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 worst version of us. <laughs> um, I mean, the people that we are the closest to, the people that we're supposed to love the most, are usually the ones who get who get the most uh, of the ugly parts of us. Um. I think about that the as you were talking, Todd. The I was kind of just thinking about my motivations sometimes, or you know, the, my motivation when when I interact with those that I love, and you know, sometimes I kind of I think I can sort of fool myself into thinking that I'm you know, because these people are people that I love that I'm I'm trying to help them improve, you know, and and it comes out of a place, and sometimes you know that's at least what I'm aware of in my mind, you know, I'm I'm you know, I, you know, I want them to be better. And I, you know, because I have this, you know, this need to always be improving Logan and always wanting to be the best version of myself, you know, then I will, you know, wouldn't they want to improve? Wouldn't want, they want to be better at that. And the sad reality is, is I can spend the rest of my life working on the own crap that I have and my own, my own stuff and my own sin, my own inability to, uh, to do the right thing. And 
I probably don't need to, to work on their stuff. Um, I'd probably be better served by working on my own stuff and working through things. And then they can see the example of me having victory in that and, you know, leave them the heck alone. (laughs) I think about that, you know, I mean, yes, I, you know, I have to, I have to teach my kids how to, you know, drive a car or, you know, how to, how to budget and how to, you know, do the dishes, et cetera. But I even found myself, I, I think about practical examples. I was talking to one of my kids last week about, you know, and, you know, the way that they were talking to somebody, I was like, well, you know, I'm good at relationships. So let me, let me, I want to get in there and, and teach them how to, how to have a better relationship, you know, and, and how to, you know, how to have a, a healthier inner interchange with somebody else. And, you know, I, I get into it and, and it always ends in like an argument because, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to address the minutia of, well, you said this and a better word choice would be this. And, you know, sure, it probably would have been a better word choice for them if they said something different. But, you know, do, do I really think that me, you know, giving, taking them apart, you know, taking them aside and giving them a dad lecture about the word choice of an interaction that they had on a phone call is really going to, you know, stick with them. Uh, and, you know, I think to myself of, of my, with my mom, and my dad didn't do a lot of lectures, but my mom was more of the lecturer. And I, I, just in a moment I had this clarifying thing of like do you of of looking at my mom and nodding right as she's talking about something and not I cannot recall a single thing that she said I was just placating her until she her attention was somewhere else and I thought to myself this is exactly what's happening right now with my son oh my gosh he's just nodding his head and looking at me so that I will go away this, yeah, I, I need, I need to stop and, <laughs> and work on my own crap so that, you know, so that I'm a, you know, I can be a, you know, a, a, a better, not a better human being, but just, you know, take the log out of my own eye before I start trying to, you know, take the splinter out of their eye. So, yeah, I mean, that's, unfortunately, that stuff happens the most when we care the most. And we have to be on guard all the time about that. You know, the people that we care the most about are the ones we, we want a monkey in their life the most. We want to, you know, we want to put them up on blocks and get underneath there and, you know, start wrenching and tweaking to try to make them the best version of themselves. Um, but that's just, it's just not an effective way for it to happen. I did a, I did a sermon, like, I think about a year ago about how sometimes when we pursue our primary goal, there are certain, certain things that that when we pursue them as a primary goal, we never reach them. And those things are only reached when they are an ancillary goal to something else. And so like healthy relationships are, are, are a part of that. Like if your goal is, I'm going to have a healthy relationship with everybody in my family, you know, or, you know, and then you, you get obsessed about, you know, I get obsessed about having no friction and, and smoothing everything's everything out. But in reality, if I'm pursuing having an intimate relationship with the Lord, and, and dealing with my own stuff and repenting when I need to repent, et cetera, the, the healthy relationships come as an ancillary benefit to that. When I pursue it directly and take my eyes off the Lord, like I never get what I'm actually pursuing. But when I pursue a good relationship with the Lord and keeping things clear there, these other things come in as a blessing that he gives us. And so I have to constantly remind myself that, that there are the things that I really want in life are not things that I can pursue and attain. 
they are things that are a blessing that are given to me as I pursue the one who's called who who is appropriate and proper to pursue. So. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, when I look at it, to why am I controlling? Why am I doing these things? We already talked about you know some of my not so good attributes, but I always about you know, five years ago or so, Todd, we were chatting and you brought up fear and, you know, I'm a man. I'm not, I fear nothing. Right. And I want to control things and I want to control them based out of fear of my, myself. I mean, I'm my biggest fear is losing my job, not being able to uh, support my family and be deemed a loser by the people closest to me, right? And that's one of the things I let the stress of work get to me. And uh, I used to blame those stresses of work for my drinking. And the reality is I really just lacked spirituality. I lacked the fact that I can't control all this, Um and therefore, I'm going to numb myself because things are not going the right way for me. And where it hits me pretty hard, too, there's a couple movies out there that I, you know, how you feel about the movies or whatever is, is independent of the fact that there's, you know, the, if you look at like The Pursuit of Happiness, that movie with Will Smith, where he is literally struggling to take care of his kid and, and Cinderella Man, where he's forced to go begging. I can't even see like the trailers of those or the picture of that movie without it just hitting me deep inside because it's basically a visual of my biggest fear of what I try to wake up in the morning. And when I get my controlling behavior, it's always around those aspects of, of fear. Right. And so, you know, being able to go and look how I treat others, how I treat people closest to me. And if I can just correlate to, you know, why do I feel like this? Why am I acting like this? who am I to tell this person about smudges on their face when I got a boatload of problems myself? Um, when I take that and go, okay, what, how does that equate to your biggest fears? And, you know, how do you do better? Right. And so as I read verses and continue to study, it's just like, just points out how I want to strive to live and, and how I want to take my morning and make it, you know, pin myself to this train track with a goal at the end of the day. And guess what happens? Life happens. And I realize I can't control everything that is going to happen in the day, right? I don't know. We just got a new puppy. He's downstairs. I have no idea what I'm going to walk into down there. Right? So I have this plan and there, you know, could be a carpet halfway eaten down there, which is going to divert the plan. And how do I react there? So um, anyway, I just look at those things and equate to fear and why I'm controlling and self-righteous. And, <clears throat> and it just really helps a lot, but it's still such a work in progress. <laughs> I saw the trailer for the pursuit of happiness, like the other day, I don't know where it was. <laughs> I watched that movie. 
and that is the most terrifying movie and yes. like one of the most terrifying movies in the entire world to me like i was emotionally wrecked just yes. seeing like 30 seconds of the trailer and like oh no no i can't i can't take that movie again yeah <laughs> that that is the sum of all fears for me so yep i, I agree yep um one of the things i wanted to cover and you guys kind of alluded to it in your responses was um why is it so important to include this on a spiritual inventory? And it's like two things, right? It's it hits both buckets of who has harmed us and who have we harmed all together in one thing, right? Um, we have like when we try to control people, we harm ourselves because we put us ourselves into the spiritual condition of a victim. Um, uh, that is constantly searching for external things to make us feel better. Uh, so we never find those things. So it just is a spiral where we're harming ourselves more and more and more and more as we do it. Um, and it isolates us because it harms spiritually the people we're doing it to. And they don't want to be around us because they get tired of us, like blaming them for all of our things. Right. So the very people that we want to have relationships with, that we want to find love with, that we're afraid are going to abandon us, um, it forced farther and farther away from us as we do these actions. Um, I experienced that from my family as a child, and I've experienced it the times when I've tried to control my wife in some way, right? Where our intimacy grows apart. And, like, and then I have to go back and be like, oh yeah, sorry, I was doing this yet again, right? Um, at least I don't do it as often as I used to, but I still do it. And it's highly frustrating to me that I keep on stumbling into it. Um, but yeah, there's that, that spiritual condition there um, where what we're ultimately doing is, is producing the very fear that we have, right? The, the fears you guys just talked about from the movies get produced when we try to control people, right? <laughs> That's the irony of doing it is the very thing we're trying to stop from happening actually happens more and more and more the more we try to control it. Um, which is this like terrifying thing to be caught in when we're caught in the spiral, right? And finding ways to get the interrupt in, whether it is cognitive behavioral therapy or the 12 steps or talking with your friends at church or whatever it happens to be, it's all going to be something relational. It's all going to be something like outside of just listening to this podcast. It's all going to be those things there. But yeah, that's like there's a deep, deep reasons why um, this is so important. But it's not necessarily something that like is self evident at first until you start digging. And then this particular one, the more you dig, the more you realize it's like, um, I don't remember which which tree it is that has the deep tap root or the the root is almost as tall as the tree itself going down into the ground. It's like that, right? Where like that is so deep that they just can't even get to the depth of how deep that uh that root is. Um that's what this is when I look at it spiritually of like oh yeah, when it's by far the hardest thing I've had to remove out of my behaviors um is this is trying to control others so i can feel okay um is by far the thing 
that is there because I can get self-righteous and victim-y and, you know, like, I deserve to have this thing, right? And only you can give it to me, so you have to give it to me. And um, I get very self-righteous around that. So um, I'll kick it over to you guys to see how you feel about it. Uh, how do you feel about that, Logan? Well, I think that I think it's um, we can get distracted with and and obsessed with external external things, external actions um, as they take action on us or our actions. When so much of when so much of actually making progress in this area is inside of us, you know, it's our thought life, our prayer life, um, and I, I think it's the same thing with, you know, you know, we've talked before about like, you know, the, the incessant nature of the culture war and politics and all these different things that, that I, I know so many people, even in my own life that are so obsessed with things that they have really little to no control over. And, you know, different media outlets or different people may, may make them believe that they have more influence and control than they do. But in reality, they have approaching zero control over anything that's happening in society but it really feels good to feel like i'm <clears throat> influencing or controlling this thing that's so important when in reality the things that are very important and actually influential are the things that are right in front of us that are very mundane that are very day-to-day -day. um you know that <clears throat> those things are actually that actually create benefit for those people around us um, are generally very small things repeated time and time again at length. Um, and it's, you know, whether or not that's just a malaise that our society has, or if you feel like that's, you know, the, the pattern and plot of the enemy or, you know, or whatever it is, the reality is, is that, is that it's a very effective thing to keep us in bondage to, make us completely obsessed about what people around us are doing and to ignore what we are doing, um, it, to ignore our thought life and how we are, you know, seeing things and interacting with things and, you know, letting them impact our emotions, et cetera. So I, <clears throat> the healthier that I've become, not that I'm a healthy person, <laughs> but the healthier I've become from a mental and spiritual place is I've had is focusing more of my time and attention on my reactions, my thoughts, you know, the, what the things that are actually going on with me and then allowing myself to then be a healthier person and interacting with other people. And then you see it spread that way, but focusing on their actions doesn't seem to produce good fruit. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. For, for me, it, I've always, it's always that man in the mirror and, you know, with the spiritual journey that I'm on, I'm so imperfect yet just, I've made some, some really good strides. Um, I mean, I know for a fact that if I'm not exercising and if I'm not eating right and I'm gaining weight, I will not be happy. And if I'm not happy. I can't, I need to be really, really cautious. And I'm at that phase right now. I tend to, you know, me and the family, we're doing whatever we want in the summer because, you know, my wife's a teacher. So we're eating and, you know, it gets, you know, out in Idaho, it gets dark at like midnight. Well, not it's exaggeration, but so it's hard to get up, get your routine in. And 
you know, this is the first time where, you know, I've gained weight over the summer. I've part of my morning routine is to say, look, you know, you're not doing what's going to make you feel complete. Therefore, you know, just watch yourself. Don't lash out at people. Don't, you know, it's not, you know, it's not your wife's fault for bringing home cookies. It's your fault for eating them. Right. And so you get these things. So I just always have to make sure that all these different aspects of my life are, are lined up because I know right now I'm not content in my contribution to my own health. And, you know, everyone's going back to school. So I get more free time and I can change that easily. Um, get back to the gym, start eating right. But I just have to understand that, um, you know, you, your kids are kids they are going to want ice cream. And it's not their fault that if they bring home some drumsticks on a Friday night, right? It's, it's, it's your fault for eating them. And, and that's the way I always just have to make sure that I stay grounded and look within. Um, I fall off so much and, you know, so many imperfections, but I'm just really making those strides right now. And that's what I'm focused on. So I know right now I need to get myself to the gym. I need to get my diet back and I need to get those things. If not, it's just going to spiral because I won't be happy with myself and I will project this contempt on everyone else in my life. So it's really what I'm working on now, but we added a new puppy to the mix. So sleep is uh, <laughs> not enough chaos. So sleep is uh, at a premium right now. So <laughs> do, you know many, do you know how many years I've, I've blamed my, like probably five years of my life, like my, my gaining of weight was all my wife's fault yep. for liking to eat ice cream late at night. I'm like, well, I, if only we didn't have ice cream in the house, if only she wouldn't get that bowl out and offer me something like, you know, if only she wouldn't offer me ice cream. And then in reality, you go like, well, if you go and get ice cream, like you offer, you know, it's like yeah. a polite thing to do. All I yep. would have to say is a single time is no, thank you. And I would be fine. Mm -hmm. But no, I'm sitting there like eating this ice cream, just looking at her going, ah, you're sabotaging my, yeah. my health. <laughs> like yep. I'm spooning it <laughs> into my own mouth, watching uh, people starve on a loan while eating ice cream, you know, or, <laughs> or yeah. Just, yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> And Logan, to, to add on that, in about uh, 2004, Tanya was pregnant with uh, our son. And she had a roundtable, pregnant, you know, whatever you want, roundtable. And so I was ga I gained so much weight that I blamed her for shrinking my clothes. I accused my wife of not knowing how to do laundry because I was stuffing my face, getting fat. And I was like, what are you doing to my clothes? All my teeth, look how tight all my clothes are. And it wasn't me not being able to close my darn pie hole. It was her shrinking my clothes. And I look back at these things and I, I'll just say I'm grateful I've made some changes in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay so in the spirit of some practical things because this one just feels like it can be so toxic that there's some like practical things we can do to stop it right um so my practical thing that i do when i'm in this situation and i realize <clears throat> and it comes to my attention is i write a gratitude list out for the person that i'm trying to control right because that gets me out of that control area and um i do that and then i say the serenity prayer a lot 
um like yeah. the, the the full one that has the um portion in it like taking jesus, jesus did the sinful world as it is not as i would have it trusting that he'll make all things right if i surrender to your will like that portion of it i just pray over and over again so i've been praying that a lot the last two days because like this like verse just wrecked me right so um i i'll pass over to dell but it sounded like yours was exercise dell is that correct that's your practical thing to do that helps you stop trying to control things yeah and diet right so yeah. get up and that's part of the morning plan and it's been a little <laughs> bit absent so um when I walk 10,000 steps in a day, I am a different human being. I have more capacity for yeah. everything, right? Uh, what about you, Logan? Um, the, um, I, when I'm doing my devotions, um, you know, I, I like to, to get up and um, I've kind of, the same thing through the summer. I think we, we lose structure in life and, you know, it's beginning of summer. It's like, great, you know, the structure is gone. Let's have fun. And then, and then, you know, impl implementing that structure, the structures back into life is, is helpful. Um, yeah. So there's those. And then I think for, for me, I have the, I have the benefit of every Sunday we, we do communion at church almost every Sunday, this last Sunday being the exception. Um, but almost every Sunday we do communion and communion to me, that process of going there and, and, you know, and, and then praying and taking the, the bread and the, the juice or whatever, to me, that's a constant reminder of what I've been forgiven for. Um, and so to me, it's a very, it's very, it's, it's a symbolic thing, but to me, it's a very emotionally uh, uh, driven thing too, like of, of taking an inventory right then and thinking about the week and thinking about the things that I'm, you know, I, when confronted with, for me, when confronted with what Jesus did on the cross, I have no right, I have no right to have unforgiveness to, to anybody. Um, I've been forgiven so much. That's like that parable of the, that I referenced a couple of weeks ago. You know, I've been, I, I've been forgiven a million dollars. Why am I holding somebody up on the side of the road for a thousand? Um, and so to me that that's like my, my version of, 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 of a regular weekly, like spiritual inventory, you know, of inventory of, am I holding anything against anybody else? Because I'm being confronted right now with being forgiven for everything I ever could do or ever will do. And then, you know, releasing it then allows me when I actually do that mindfully, instead of just going through the motions, when I mindfully do that and I focus on it, it allows me and helps me to have a lot of grace for people that next week, um, knowing how much grace has been extended to me. So I think for me, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that daily, I think, you know, the, the, the daily, uh, attitude of, of getting in, you know, starting my day with the word, um, though I've been terrible about that this summer um, is helpful as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, guys. Um, you know, I just so grateful I can get to do this with you guys. Cause man, it's making a difference in my life. Each time I go through these things, I'll be like, Oh my gosh, look at all that stuff. That's a wreckage in my life today. Like I've been doing this a long time. And <laughs> I thought I had this down. And then I just dig in some more. I'm like, oh, look at that. No, no, I don't have any of this down whatsoever. I have this whole pile of stuff I have to go work on um, still. So uh, thank you for being there to work on it with me, guys. And um, I think next week, 
pretty sure we're going to cover inappropriate anger, but um, I might find a different verse that goes in a different way. But uh, I think we have four or five more topics to cover in the spiritual inventory portion of it. So um, as always, we'll be praying for you that you can get connected to people. Um, if this one ex- like hits you expect, uh, exceptionally hard, um, talk to somebody about it. Um, find people to be able to talk to. Um, and we'll be here again next week talking more about spiritual inventory and how we can grow. So um, today I'm just going to go ahead and pray us out on the serenity prayer. Um, I'll do the the entirety of it rather than the first couple stanzas um mostly just because i need it again uh because like you know trusting that god will make all things right is what i'm struggling with right now today so um so here we go god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time Enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you'll make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. <laughs>